What's up, NBA fans? We are a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving. Uh, we are now probably what almost a month away from the end of the 2019 NBA season, and and since then it's been a heck of a ride uh, in terms of the things that have been going on in in the world. The Lakers winning the championship. COVID is still hanging around and cases rising. Uh, we elected a new president, um, and I think regardless of whether where you stand on the left or the right or where most of America really is, is in the middle. Uh, you know, we finally we finally got through that roller coaster ride that I think everybody in the country was on in terms of like who the next president was going to be. Uh, and you know, once we got off that ride, then it was a question of when the NBA season was going to start. At least for NBA fans, of course, and. We got it through. We got news that the NBA season has voted to approve a December 22nd restart plan. And that all that means is now that has kicked off a roller coaster ride for NBA fans in terms of like everything that we have coming up next in terms of the draft, uh, the start of free agency, start of the year, and of course, new homes for all these players like a Westbrook who just re- requested a trade and Things are about to go from zero to 60 really fast in the next few weeks here. But, you know, I'm excited. I, I enjoyed the little short break, but I'm ready to jump on board the NBA content world. How about you, Sean? Oh, yeah. I, I was born ready, man. Like, this is an <laughs> NBA fan's dream is to see this happening this year. We get more NBA basketball in about six weeks, which is, is just crazy to think about. Like, that is not very far at all. But at the same time, it does make me afraid of how they're going to make this work. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit too. But man, just hearing all these rumors about trades and, and the draft, and, and this was not really supposed to be a big free agent year. I mean, we've gone over some of the big free agent signings in our last episode, and there wasn't really any big names to talk about, but there might be some big names getting traded around, which is going to make this still a very exciting offseason. I'm really stoked to see what goes down over the next few weeks. Yeah, and we're here to cover it also. Special podcast here to just kick off and talk about the start of the NBA season, the new plan that was adopted, uh, the free, the latest free agency and trade talks going on, and of course an NBA draft preview as that's coming up really fast as well. We'll break down where we think the top 10 prospects could potentially or what the top 10 teams could potentially pick off in this year's NBA draft. But to start things off, the NBA approved the December 22nd restart plan with 72 regular games played by each team. The salary cap essentially is staying where it was. And that was the big the big thing was like where we were going to see that needle move for, for teams and for it to stay at 109. It spells, I think, for the most part, not good, but not bad news for the most of the NBA. It kind of kind of puts everybody back into a safer thought and, and a better place, I think, to try to look forward to build, building their teams. And the hard cap or the sat luxury cap line is set at 132. So not much difference really there. So I think the free free agencies and the free agents in this class are probably a little relieved to know that <laughs> they're not going to see significant pay cuts to their their new their new deals. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that the salary cap was staying the same. I mean, you still are missing out on an eighth of the season. Uh, I mean, I guess that doesn't really count playoffs, and that's where you really make your money. But that's a lot, and you're not going to have fans in the same capacity. Uh, It's just not going to be as profitable as it would normally be. So I'm surprised they were able to keep it the same. 
uh, I, I guess they figured out, they crunched the numbers and figured it out. And that's not for me to really worry about, but I, I think it's pretty strange that they wouldn't even lower it a little bit. Like I expected at least like a 10% decrease, but yeah, for the, for the Fred Van fleets of the world, man, they're, they're probably on cloud nine right now, knowing they're going to get their bag. Mm-hmm, exactly. And some of the teams like the Lakers and the Clippers holding on to their mid-level exceptions, those aren't making any momentous moves in terms of the dollar amount that they can give out there. So probably a little relieved there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for for the most part, I'm happy for it just because to see that there's going to be some normalcy here uh, in terms of what we're going to see in this offseason and what we're going to get in terms of an NBA product next year. Because I think if that salary cap dropped down, there was going to be some interesting ripple effects, I think, through the league and some interesting maneuvering. Uh, to still somehow manage to get the most talent on your roster, of course, uh, while still abiding to through the cap rules. Yeah, I, I feel like the owners, though. I mean, they're all so rich, right? Like mm-hmm. they'd probably be willing to just dip into the luxury tax, and they'd figure out ways around the cap, like through signing trades or or using bird rights or whatever. They, they'd figure out a way past the cap, but yeah, I'm I'm more worried about how this is going to work because I mean, medical officials are even worried about how this is going to happen. Like with like this is way different than the bubble. Like, let's Mm -hmm. just be real. Like the bubble was the perfect system to make it work. But for an entire regular season and playoffs, like you cannot put these guys in a bubble and they want to like actually make more money this time. So they want to travel around and get get people in the stadiums. But with traveling and with that comes like travel fatigue. And that's something they didn't have to worry about. They could just go back to the hotel like an hour after the game and rest. Now you got to go get on a plane still. And I think but that just without even factoring in COVID is still a lot more to think about too, especially when I think these 72 regular season games that they're going to have to play are going to be on a shorter timeline because they're trying to get all of this done before the Olympics start. Which I mean, it's still slated to start next year. The the delayed Olympics. I mean, who knows what'll happen with that? Maybe it'll happen still. Uh, who knows where we'll be on it? That's still so far off. But and the NBA is claiming that limiting the travel to team. So basically, the system that they're going with is like if you're going on the road, you're gonna play New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets in the same road trip, and you're gonna get those games over with, so you don't have to be traveling as much. And I like that idea, and I think it makes sense. But at the same time, like I don't know what you think about this, Alan, but I still feel like the, the traveling aspect is what's really getting a lot, like the NFL. Like the NFL guys are all getting COVID. And I think it's because they're traveling. It's not because of the fans, like fans being in the stadium. They're so far away from them. Exactly. And when we look at the bubble concept, the bubble concept worked. And the big thing that was cut out of that, was the traveling, was the moving of players, moving, going back to their homes and going back to their normal day movements. Those things are going to be extremely tough to control for the NBA. So, I mean, it, it, it is, I guess it is a safer option to, 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 to make the road trips, uh, at least, you know, essentially play in the same city for a number of days. Yeah. Uh, but you're still traveling and, that without limit eliminating that then you're not really eliminating that risk so it it is it is interesting because the nba you know when they they, these were in talks we kind of looked like we were headed in a good direction as far as covid cases 
But I mean, everybody had been had been circling this time of the year in terms of a, a resurgence in the cases as we move into fall and into the winter time of this of the of the year for this country. And it's normal flu season here as it is. And now you're layering on COVID cases. So it was predictable that the cases would start going up again, uh, essentially peaking just a couple days ago. So now all of a sudden, what looked to be a safe time to sort of move to a phase two where you can start letting the teams travel, uh, maybe letting in some fans in the stadium might not seem like such a good idea anymore. Yeah. And, and the Lakers are already saying that home games, they're not going to have fans for I mean, as long as it makes sense to. So they've already come out that saying that right after this has been voted in and approved by the, the NBA and the MBPA. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a really tricky puzzle. And I feel mm-hmm. like, especially with this shortened timeline now that we have to where the NBA season is supposed to start, like Adam Silver did a great job with the bubble. But this is going to be so much harder than the bubble because at least in the bubble, you can control so much. When you're having these guys travel around, and do you really think that these guys aren't going to try to have some fun in these cities that they're in? Like they're not going to go out when they're in on the Texas road trip and they're going to go out to all these bars that are definitely open because it's Texas. (laughs) Like they're going to go out and they're going to get COVID and this is something you didn't even have to deal with once in the bubble which is crazy there is not one single covid case in the bubble so you can't even use an experience of a guy getting covid in the bubble to like be like okay this is what we did when he got covid and it worked like you don't know how to deal with that like in the nfl i guess it's easier because a guy gets covid and it's like oh i guess he's one out of 53 players and he doesn't even matter that much so we'll just quarantine him for two weeks which amounts to two games in the NFL, which I guess proportionally is a lot, but this is two weeks in the NBA. That's like a seven game stretch, eight game stretch. Sometimes that is a large amount of time. And that's not even just for the person that got COVID. It's for the people that were in close contact with them too. They'll probably have to miss like at least a week. And sometimes in the NFL, they only miss like the practices and then they still play the games. NBA, you're going to miss a few games every time you have to be out for any COVID contact which I just don't know if it's going to work as well for for the NBA as it is for the NFL, which, I mean, I'd say it is working right now for them. But with outdoor stadiums, uh, with with so much, with like, I I don't know, I I guess with so many more expendable players, I just think it it works a little better. And the NBA is going to have a hell of a time figuring this out. This is going to be way harder than the bubble. Yeah, and I think the big big monkey wrench in all of this is the point you made, Sean, where in California, LA, you know, the city is big city, you know, more likely to put big lockdown type rules and and stuff. But then you go to a place like Memphis, I don't know, Miami, yeah. people are a little <laughs> bit more relaxed. Local governments are a bit more lax. State governments almost resistant to to regulations to mm-hmm. limit yeah. the spread of the virus and. All these, irreg- all these, you know, inconsistent uh, regulations throughout the country just make things so, so odd. Where like the Lakers can do their absolute best, the Warriors um, here in California, and all of a sudden, all it takes is just a road trip out to Florida or a road trip out to <laughs> Texas uh, or Indiana, one of these places, and it all just goes to hell. And um, 
And I mean, I that's why I was surprised to see that the this was a rushed through approvals. It's I mean, obviously they're in discussions for a long time, but it seemed like the December twenty second was off the table, and now all of a sudden it was rushed through and approved. So uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy, and I on and I I mean I understand sort of like the dollar figure on it. At the end of the day, that's what keeps this whole ecosystem moving forward. <laughs> but. I mean, we we are probably very likely to see the doom scenario that we talked about so much over mm. the summer, where where essentially half the half of an NBA roster gets COVID, and, <laughs> and that's not really a large number. That's what yeah. we're talking. We're talking only six guys, seven guys right. getting it. Yeah, if you even like half your starters get it, you're screwed. Like, yeah, there, we could see a record number of like G League call ups this year. <laughs> this is gonna be yeah. I mean. My only hope is that we talked about this, like you said, during the summer, and we're like, I don't know if this bubble's going to work. I was very skeptical. I, I think even more so than you were that this was going to work at all. And it worked to perfection. So I can only hope that that same mind power that went into making the bubble goes into how they're going to make this system work. Because, yeah, I mean, logically, I just don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, if you get the doom, doom scenario or you constantly have guys in and out of rotation, out of the lineups, and the quality of the game just kind of falls. But at the same time, I mean, during an 82-game season, there are so many games that people don't even really tune in. I'm not even sure what the numbers are on some of these local markets. We like, tune in. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, Suds versus Magic, you know, late in March or – Hawks versus Pace, maybe not the Pacers, but Hawks versus Hornets, you know, some of these games that are just pretty meaningless. And <laughs> I wonder, like, what, what that does if all of a sudden the number of those meaningless, regular, low-rated regular season games, that number goes up even higher this year just because of guys falling in and out of the lineup. But, you know, that's 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 the – that's I mean, I guess that's, like, the negative outlook on it. And potentially the doom scenario, like we keep talking about, where <laughs> maybe teams have to forfeit or somehow just rush oh. through G League guys to make it <laughs> to make it to regulation time. Oh man, yeah, it's it's pretty scary, man. I'm really glad I don't have to figure it out. And I just man, we're gonna have to add a few extra bench spots to our fantasy league this year <laughs> just to be safe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, does ESPN even have enough guys in the database for what could potentially happen in these? <laughs> oh, I guarantee. Leagues? Yeah, I. And if this gets bad, we're gonna have to see them insert like guys from the G League that they never thought they'd have to put into the fantasy like lineups. Yeah, because I remember, like, I think I, I, Andre Ingram's name comes. I think when he played, like he wasn't even in the fantasy database, so like oh there was my gosh, that's you couldn't so even funny. literally you couldn't play him, even though he's playing an NBA. Like I don't know, we might see a lot of that stuff come up, and that, oh. that would be pretty funny. Maybe we can highlight some of those guys <laughs> every week in our podcast. I will be uh, so sad if we, it comes to that, man. <laughs> that's what the podcast comes down to. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know, and obviously, I think the logistics of it are going to be extremely difficult, but. I think both me and you are in agreement. I think that we hope that this works out as great as the bubble did somehow um, so that we can actually get some some good games. And talking about good games, a total shift here, but we got to talk about like we're getting the the Christmas game. That continues. That's still the, the ongoing NBA tradition. That's the, that's the day that they own in terms of sports. Um, 
there's a lot. There's a lot that could happen that day, Sean. But I guess if you could give me two, two or three matchups that you'd like to see that game, since we have no ske- no official mm. schedule release yet. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I guess if we're going based off of what the teams look like last year, because I there's so much that's going to change between now and then. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think so. Lakers Warriors has been talked about as one of those games that's going to happen on Christmas, and I want to see that so badly. Like this is the one team that the Lakers didn't have to go up against to win the championship, really. And to, to see that matchup happen at the start of this season would be really cool to see. Obviously, not the same consequences, mm-hmm. but I, I, it'd be really fun. Uh, another matchup I'd love to see. Hmm. I definitely want to see the Nets, oh, and yes. I, I, I think I want to see them go up against the Celtics. Ooh, <laughs> for the I Kyrie, like for the Kyrie, yeah, little, little revenge game maybe for the Celtics, and mm-hmm. then, ooh, I, I love me some Luca. I want to see some Luca in there. I want to see some some Dallas Mavericks, and, and let's put them against the Clippers. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Yeah, who, let's who, do it. Who, who do the who do the Clippers want? You know, first blood rematch on. Is it the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets here? Oh, it's the Mavericks, dude. The Nuggets beat us fair and square, dude. They kicked our ass. <laughs> let, 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 I want the Mavericks to see if they can get revenge on the Clippers for for us bullying them around without Kristaps Porzingis. Okay, I I like your picks. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> Dallas Clippers. I was thinking Nuggets Clippers. Lakers Warriors and then for an Eastern Conference I was thinking Miami Nets but I think I like hmm. Celtics Nets a lot more. It's a little uh, more a little more edge to that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so as well. I I I was totally I totally blanked on the Kyrie Irving storyline. <laughs> uh you know, and it would be interesting also to see, you know, uh, what that Celtic team actually looks like because I think they they have mm-hmm. some room for improvement when we talk about offseason stuff here. Uh but Lakers Warriors true. Like they, the and we're talking about the Western Conference. That's the one team they didn't get. They, they didn't get to test themselves against, neither in the regular season or playoffs. So mm-hmm. that would be great to see. Yeah, I, I want to see the Warriors, man. Like mm-hmm. I, honestly, like I, I don't want to say I miss them because <laughs> I <laughs> don't. But now that they don't have Kevin Durant, I do miss them. I think that's it. Kevin Durant. Like, I did not miss Kevin Durant Warriors, but I missed 2015-2016 Warriors. Steph Curry led solely with Klay Thompson as his running mate. That is the Warriors team I I really want to see again. Yeah, I think we need to bring back the old guys, get Andre Iguodala back. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not that far, but that would would be pretty Andrew Bogut? (laughs) Oh, Andrew Bogut, wherever he is. I'll enjoy retirement somewhere. Hey, um, so m- talking about the Warriors really quick, I just want to shout out that Steph Curry wants them to sign Jeremy Lin this offseason, and I really badly want them to do it, not because I care about him being on the Warriors. I just want Jeremy Lin on a basketball team. Like, <laughs> this dude is way too good to not be on an NBA team. If Jared Dudley is on an NBA team and Jeremy Lin is not, there is something seriously wrong about this. Jeremy Lin seems like he should be a warrior. He should have been a he warrior should. at some point. He's a Bay Area his... guy. So yeah, he is. it just makes sense. He's a great player, man. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Please sign him. Anybody. Anybody sign him. I mean, he's potent- I mean, 
He's potentially still good enough to have his own signature shoe, you know? He's he's selling He does those. have his own yeah, in yeah. in China, yeah. <laughs> so, he must be still pu- pu- putting something out there on the floor. I have yet he to is, see man. any recent highlights, but yeah, I mean, sure, why not? Uh, you why saw not that Daryl Morey interview, right? You saw the Daryl Morey interview where he's talking about Jeremy Lin when they're like talking about draft statistics and he's like our, all of our models said we should pick Jeremy Lin with the 15th pick in the NBA draft, but they passed on him. <laughs> that is how this guy is good, man. <laughs> the attributes are there. The talent's there. No one gives him a chance. It was there, maybe, Sean. <laughs> it is there. It is. He, just look at his stats. You'll be astounded that Jeremy Lin never really dropped off. He just lost opportunity. That's and true. he got injured too. He got injured and he lost opportunity. It, it's it's kind of tragic, honestly. Yeah, I mean, basketball is a game of opportunity and a game of roles. Um, but anyways, I think it kind of reminds me of Alex Caruso's quote that he was on a podcast this week with uh, JJ Redick, where he said most something along the lines like most guys enter the G League thinking they're like the CEO of a company when they're just really <laughs> going in there to scrub toilets or something, be the bathroom yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I, I think that social media took away with that quote, but I think what he's trying to say is essentially that, you know, I think guys at that level find most success when they can, when they do a good job of defining themselves as what, as a specialist or what, or mm-hmm. playing Carving really well to a role. Out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, in terms of that, you know, free agency is set to begin November 20th. So two days just after the NBA draft with official signings allowed on November 22nd. I mean, I look at these dates and I almost want to laugh because we're looking at Twitter and it feels like the rumors are are starting to circulate and they're trying and they're they're really circulating mm-hmm. by a ton of people. So it almost feels yet again, <laughs> there's no point in having these dates. It feels like most guys already have a rough yeah. idea of where they're going. <laughs> yeah, all these talks are already happening, but we don't really know exactly what's going to happen until the 20th. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like we know of the rumors, but nothing can be confirmed until then. So the fact that that's only nine days away is super exciting for us, yeah. I think, because that's that's so close, honestly. Like, I was half expecting at this point to just be, like, still just waiting to figure out when the season was going to start. But now it's it seems like everything's just gone from zero to 60 super fast. Yeah, and in terms of free agency and offseason again like the rumors have have already started regardless of the date that the nba has set and one of the big ones is chris paul where is he going and where is he landing and come out of nowhere the phoenix suns are the ones that seem to be really eager to get this man on their roster in advance talks to try to acquire chris paul uh i mean the thunder have even given the chris paul permission to speak with the team to gauge the interest here this this I actually like this. I I wouldn't yeah. mind this for the Suns. I I think it's not. I mean, I don't think it takes the Suns. It doesn't secure them a, an eighth or or seven seed, but it definitely mm. puts them in a way better spot. Uh, and I I mean, the Suns have the cap space to do it, and they got Devin Booker and they got DeAndre Aiden and. I mean, why not? Why not? I guess go after something like this. Well, my why not with this is it, more of a why. Because yeah. <laughs> it seems like you have such a young roster, right? Like, this is one of the youngest rosters in the league. You had a pretty decent season last year. I mean, including the bubble, obviously. But now you're going to go all in 
with like a third of your cap space on a guy that's 35 years old, I just doesn't make that much sense to me. Like I, I, that's like, I feel like you make this move. If you feel like this puts you in like a championship contender move, this is like a win now move. If you put Chris Paul on your team, it's a win now move because he's not going to help you three years down the line. Is Phoenix a win now team? That's no my way. question. No exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you, yeah, unless you think that the bubble Suns are the new Suns and that they're just going to be like basically undefeated, then yeah, sure, you can get Chris Paul. But if you do, if you think that that was more of a fluke than anything or just like a good run, then I, this move doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. Like I think this is just them throwing away a lot of their young talent to try to make the playoffs. And if that's a win for them, fine. But I just don't. I just think that's kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could look at it that way. I mean, I just don't. This is this Western Conference is just so crowded. That's like, I think that fan base is just so tired of waiting. And I think a guy like Devin Booker is as well. So let him see the playoffs. And this is a move that potentially puts you over the top of puts you over Portland or just at least at the same level. Um, and puts you, I, I think it makes you better than Memphis for sure. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, sure. But you know, it's still up in the air whether or not you're better than Portland, and then whether or not you get second All NBA Chris Paul, and for how long you get him in terms of the season, and do you get him in the playoffs? But I think it's enough to really make them a serious contender, a serious not contender, a serious <laughs> player tier three team for the seven yeah, or like eight, it makes or eight them, seed, and yeah, that's eight seed, best. Yeah. At best, because they could uh, also just finish ninth and finish like one or two games behind the eight seed, which would be crushing to do that move and essentially finish in the same spot as you did last year. But that's also right. very possible. Yeah, it's just like if you're gonna go after, if you're gonna go all in on a star, like why aren't you going after like Bradley Beal or yeah. like a Chris Middleton? Even like I would rather have either of those guys than Chris Paul at this point in his career. Because at least, like, if you have Bradley Beal or Chris Middleton, you can keep going with those guys for a few more years while, like, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton keep getting better. With Chris Paul, it's like, okay, well, you better win in the next two years or you're losing Devin Booker, too. You're losing DeAndre Ayton, too, and then you're just back at square one. (laughs) Oh, the Phoenix Suns franchise. Uh, I mean, and if you're talking about ticket sales, well... Not much to sell since <laughs> you can't sell that many. Yeah, <laughs> are you going to be limited? I don't know. I feel like this is just a swing for the fence type of move. Mm. Maybe James Jones trying to uh, save his his yeah, general flashy, managing flashy move. Yeah, flashy to keep move. Your job. Elton Brand's the the master of those. <laughs> exactly. Trying to get the the yearly get the yearly the yearly review came out in that <laughs> yeah. spot. So. Trying to yeah. just boost it up by get, getting some more wins um, here with Chris Paul, but I kind of like it. I, I I look at it as why not, but I could I also see your point here, Sean. Yeah, it just it makes them better, but like so what? It, <laughs> it's kind of the argument there, you know. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, and the other one here, pretty crazy, I think. But yeah, I mean, once I thought about it, I'm not that surprised. But what Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston? I mean, <laughs> that athletic. Yeah, that athletic article that dropped just just a couple of hours ago, actually, pretty pretty interesting stuff there in talks of like a bad culture in Houston, a lot of butting of heads with Austin Rivers and the coaching staff, to name a few. 
uh, even Daniel House calling people out, Russell Westbrook not really vibing and not very happy with the discipline and accountability of this team. Uh, I mean, it, it sort of sounds like there was a culture breakdown in terms of just how hard this team was trying to play a certain way and it just didn't rub basketball players the right way and I mean obviously not a surprise these guys are not machines these guys are not robots they bought into a system <laughs> didn't do it always in the most gracious way it sounds but they did it and now they're kind of not wanting to do it again and I'm not surprised by that Russell Westbrook wants out the problem is where does he actually go that'll satisfy him and satisfy both sides that are making the trade for him I just feel like only there's there will only ultimately be one kind of of a winner <laughs> yeah I mean I'll, I'll tell you what the New York Knicks are one of the teams that are interested in him and man would that be a great fit he could be that team would still be terrible, but he could do whatever the hell he wanted on that team, and no one would give him any argument otherwise. Yeah, I think that's the perfect fit. Uh, I think yeah, Russell Westbrook saying he wants out of Houston, saying he doesn't want to play with also MVP James Harden, which is like, who wouldn't want to play with another MVP, you know, with a guy that's playing at the top of his game? He doesn't care about championship. He just wants his, man. He wants the stats to get in that Hall of Fame. He's like, I'm not going to do it with multiple championships. I'm going to do it with triple doubles. Like that that this is what he's deciding. And if you want to do that, man, the New York Knicks are the team for you, man. Like you can get 30, 10, 10 and 10 turnovers every night and they will <laughs> love it. Yes, the quad double. No one's ever done it before. And this this is his chance to do it and man, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be so disappointed. Because the New York Knicks are the perfect fit for Russell Westbrook. I guess I was looking at it more from the perspective that Russell Westbrook wants to win. So if he were traded no, he to doesn't New want York, to <laughs> I, I was going to say, if he gets traded to New York, I don't think Russell Westbrook really wins. I don't think uh, the Houston Rockets really win. The New York Knicks kind of win just because now they actually have an all-star on their roster. But you're right. If if the ga- if the name of the game for Westbrook isn't to win, then yeah, the New York Knicks are probably a great <laughs> spot. It's a city, uh, you know, obviously New York City, and all eyes on him, and he's going to do whatever the mm-hmm. hell he wants on that roster on that oh, yeah. team, like Carmelo Anthony esque. Like I'm sure Melo loved being in New York. I don't care what he says. Like he was the guy there. He was getting paid fat stacks. <laughs> he owned that city. <laughs> uh, yeah, losing doesn't matter. He got the bag, man. That's Russell Westbrook's bread and butter right here, man. That would be a perfect fit. He might even get them to sneak into the eighth seed somehow because I mean, you really don't need that much more to make it in, in the eighth seed. I mean, come on. Look at look at who made it this year at the Orlando Magic. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe there's another team. Orlando Magic you let him do whatever the hell he wants to. Yeah, but, that's man, true. <laughs> the that New York Knicks. Yeah, the New York Knicks would be so fun. That would be so fun. Yeah. And and they can give them the draft. They can make up the draft picks that they lost getting rid of Chris Paul. Exactly. And they have the the, the salary numbers to match up with that ridiculous $42 million figure that you got to match up to be able to trade this guy. I mean, it'll take – well, you'd have to – I mean, you got guys like – you got Julius Randle. You can trade oh, his contract. Yeah, you can bundle contract. that up. They've yeah. got and Houston needs big guys too. This is perfect. 
<laughs> this is so perfect. It's oh just, my god, they can just trade them two of their five power forwards in the first pick in the draft that they have this year. And that, oh man, that'll do it. That'll do it. That does it right there. Yeah, but it's, I mean, when you look at the whole thing holistically, like what the Houston has essentially now given up for Chris Paul and then Westbrook, oh man, it's going to take in this, the rest of this decade until the next decade <laughs> to essentially have all that back or at least mm. be back on ground zero. Right now, they've they got a heavy debt, and if they lose... I mean, they are going to lose Westbrook, so that's just going to be some, something they got to just yeah. accept. So are we calling it like a like a sure thing that he's gone just because he wants out? I think so. I think this... And I, and I also think Houston just has to hit a hard reset and just try to get back... As much as they can, though, I don't really see them getting anything, uh, anything for us to really, you know, rave their 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 future team on or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I see they're getting back two big contracts in return be, and yeah. maybe a draft, pick, maybe two draft picks. Yeah, try yeah reacquire some of those assets that they've lost over the years. Yeah, yeah you could see it. I guess if we wanted to talk about other interesting ones, the Clippers are the ones that come up. No, uh, I please no, please no. I I could not handle Westbrook on the Clippers. I don't see oh, it actually so working. So frustrating because it would yeah, take. It I would, hope it doesn't. It would take Zubac, Lou Williams, and a bunch of other guys. But yeah, really no. hope not. Yeah, please no. I I could not. My heart could not handle Westbrook's antics on a night in night out basis. Yeah, I just don't see the fit. I mean, yeah, I know him and Paul George are buddies. They just never really fit well, though, in OKC in yeah. terms of actual wins. And that, the never element of Kawhi the Leonard. Round, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the Bucks. What about the Bucks? You have the Bucks here. Mm-hmm. You think they could have a shot at him? The Bucks could be interesting. You think he's a good fit there? I don't think so. Yeah, Giannis <laughs> is the main. Yeah, like Westbrook has to be the best player on the team or he's not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. That That's what I think. Yeah, I think I feel the the most happy with uh with New York um, it's got to be New York man please mm-hmm. do something fun for once <laughs> yeah but moving on from Westbrook there your boy Davis Bertans yeah he... I threw this in here for you just so you can take a look and see <laughs> how much my man Davis Bertans has coveted multiple teams interested in a sign and trade for this man Great three and D player, one of the best three point shooters in the league. I was gonna say, I mean, on one side we're talking about Westbrook and Chris Paul, older guys, former All Stars, uh, MVP. You know, gonna find a he's gonna have a hard time finding a new home. Then you got a gay, guy like Davis Bertans, just specialist, great mm-hmm. three point shooter. This guy, alongside with his other buddy Joe Harris. I mean, I'm not surprised. They, I'm sure the mm-hmm. offers are going to start coming in here, and they're going to yeah. potentially get a one. They could get the bag if they go for a one-year deal yeah. with some of these teams. Oh, yeah. That Alex Caruso quote, man. Just got to yeah. do your job and do it well. Exactly. <laughs> on the other note, we got Fred Van Fleet jumping on the podcast as well, quoted as saying, I'm trying to get paid. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yes. <laughs> Dude's 20, 28, it. 27. This is it. Yeah. This is his last chance to get a payday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with all the Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook rumors going around, things might get a little um, gray, a little a little muddy for Fred Van Fleet in terms of who's going to actually offer him that money. There's still the Knicks, I think, but if they obviously go for a Westbrook or Chris Paul trade, that's probably off the table. So 
And then you got Sergi Baca unfollowing the the Raptors mm-hmm. and following all the Lakers social media. This is one of the Sketch. names that we talked about. <laughs> if if he doesn't come back to the Raptors, then that money might end up going uh, to Fred Van Fleet. So I think this actually means that sh- the chances of him re-signing are, are higher. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Serge was a big part of that salary. So, yeah, they could just give that to Fred Van Fleet and maybe find another big guy in the draft. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you think Serge Ibaka even had a chance to be a Laker? two weeks ago <laughs> and do you like that do you well, like that i like it i've always had a feeling that i'd see sergey Baca in a laker jersey you did i always did yeah the dudes dude just seems like a laker what, a, what why why he loves he loves he loves good fashion uh i think <laughs> he seems so you like, want russell westbrook too no nah, no nah, we'll, we'll skip <laughs> russell westbrook but i i like sergey Baca. i think he i think he adds a good piece i think he'd be fantastic a role player for the Lakers and what we are, what we already have going there. I'd love to see him play next to Davis. He'd be a Laker because of the fashion. Are you serious? He just seems, <laughs> he just seems very, very Hollywood to me. Uh, oh. I, 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 I would love to see him on the Lakers. Yeah, um, I bet you would. <laughs> yeah. In terms of another team that could go after Van Fleet, there's the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they got mm. Chris Dunn's a restricted free agent. Denzel Valentine's a restricted free agent. They let go of the rights to both of these guys and, yeah. They could they could give Fred Van Fleet upwards of seventeen million dollars a year here as well. So oh yeah, that's a team Definitely. in the running. I mean, yeah, I think I mean it depends on who they draft to at number four. I mean they have the four pick, so that they could go out there and get a a point guard themselves mm-hmm. cheaper that way. But if they want to go another route and pick up Fred Van Fleet in free agency, ah, yeah, I think that would be a really good fit for them. Right, him right next to Levine, that would be a pretty threatening scoring backcourt right there. Yeah, that that gives this team some legitimacy. I think that they've been lacking, um, or just that veteran leadership. Uh, yeah, and I just don't feel like that really moves the needle for them. For the Bulls, you know? I don't feel like Fred Van Fleet's a needle mover. Like for a team that like to go from like a a bad team to like a playoff potential team, I don't feel like he's a needle mover really. I think he could get them some wins. I think that that's enough to make. I mean, I thought they could battle. I mean, it was a long shot. After best, he they was. could have competed for the eight seed. I think Fred Van yeah. Fleet definitely puts them a little closer to that. Okay. Um, okay. But I mean, yeah, I, th- I do think a lot of it will still hinder on the development of Carter and Markinen and, La- and Zach Levine. Yeah. They have the talent. They just they gotta stay healthy and they gotta. Yeah, I mean, adding Van Fleet that would that would be a very cool starting lineup. Yeah, sure. I think so. And then we also forget about Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is apparently mm-hmm. being shopped around. And the Atlanta yeah. Hawks seem to be in the running for this guy. Um, I mean, I, I think I kind of like it. The problem is just Drew Holiday still got a hefty contract as well. Um, and I'm not the sure Hawks how got much. the cap space, though. Yeah. And maybe they've, yeah, maybe they've got the cap space, but it's just a, are they willing to part with that number six pick and, and some other mm. pieces to get Drew Holiday? I think, I think I like it. I think it would be a good mm-hmm. piece for this team who's, hungry to get themselves back into NBA relevancy. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the the Hawks are fatigued of trying to rebuild through the draft because, I mean, we've seen them get a lot of first-round picks in the last few years that have worked out for them, like John Collins in 2017, and then you go and draft Trey Young the next year. And then the year after that, you draft two guys in the top 10, uh, which was uh, uh, Cam Reddish. And some other guy, DeAndre Hunter. <laughs> DeAndre right? Hunter, yeah. yeah. Both both did not really work out. So mm-hmm. I think after that draft, they're like, man, 
Like, if we could flip this number six pick into a guy that we know is an awesome player to a team that isn't really trying to win now, like, like I think the Hawks are ready to, like, actually make a push to be a good team now. Like, this this would be a great move for them. Just offload the number six pick. I don't know, whatever else. Just what get rid of anybody except for John Collins and Trey Young. Yeah. With that number six pick. Get Drew Holiday. That would be a fantastic move for this team. This would be a this would be a real needle mover. Yeah, I think so as well. Just again, add add a more legitimate veteran onto that squad that could help them move forward. Um, I I like that as well. Uh, and then in terms, before we jump into our draft preview, real quick shout out here to Oklahoma City, the only remaining team that did not have a head coach, and they got their guy, thirty five year old. Um, how you pronounce this man's name, Sean? Do you have a good um, idea? I, I got to be the pronouncer on this show. <laughs> Mark Dagnalt. I'll go with that. Nice. He's a young <laughs> guy. He's a young coach. Young coach. 35 years old. That's like putting it lightly, honestly, to call me young coach, man. <laughs> this this is crazy young for, for a head coach. 35 years old. And to me, this just screams that they're going to – alongside the Chris Paul trade news, this screams tank and transition. This is not a guy you're going to hire if you're trying to still compete in this league. You're aware that you're just not going to compete anymore. So you you put this guy – I'm sure he's pretty cheap, honestly, too. Yeah. This is his first head coaching gig. No experience, really. Just get him for cheap. Develop your guys. I mean, he, apparently he did really well for the OKC Thunder in the in this little bit of time that they have had him. I mean, he's only been with – the franchise for six years and five of those years he was just the head coach of the g league team which he had some success with he won three division titles in the g league uh in those five years and then they brought him up last year to be on billy donovan's staff and and i guess he was uh had pretty good praise uh had made a really good reputation for himself but that doesn't say head coach to me you know when you have so many other much more qualified head coaches out there this is such a transition coach and you know what? It's fine. I'm sure he's happy. Like, yeah, I can put head coach on my resume. Like, that's really cool. But to me, this is not this is not a winning move. This is a very, like, we're going to chill for the next two years or so move. Yeah, let's just float on the water. No need to paddle. No need to expand energy or, yeah. in this case, money. To, if to this guy's paddle. some savant, I'm sorry. If he's a savant at coaching, like, uh, yeah, my bad. But uh, I just don't <laughs> see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Again, like, I'm sure this franchise has been spending big on player salaries and coaching salaries for the last decade. And this is their chance to, you know, save a couple pennies, save a couple dimes. <laughs> <laughs> and they've just gone full small market team, right? Because yeah. you don't have, like, Billy Donovan was a big name. You had big name guys in the past, like Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, if you want to go that far. Yeah. Like this, this has been a small city team with a big name for a long time, and now they're just completely transitioned to a small city team. Yeah, and no blame for them. Um, so we'll see how the next decade for the OKC for OKC <laughs> yeah, goes. They've got like a decade to figure it out because they got these draft picks all the way to like twenty twenty six. Yeah, they've got enough draft picks to have two professional NBA teams. <laughs> <laughs> for real though, yeah, three of them are the Clippers, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So jumping into the NBA draft, here we go. We got the top ten teams: Minnesota Warriors, Hornets, Bulls, Cavs, Hawks, Pistons, Knicks, Wizards, and then the Suns to round it up. This draft was tough. It was tough for me to set up a 
a sort of mock draft board for myself just because it seemed like it's difficult to say where each team would pick. I mean, I got some thoughts. Yeah. Sean, you have your thoughts. And we definitely used uh, ESPN's latest mock draft <laughs> as sort of our starting point. Uh, there, There's a lot of names in here, and there's not quite any clear winners. There's obviously the hype names like Lamella Ball, uh, Anthony Edwards, and some of the more sort of unknown guys like a James Wiseman, um, and some of these older uh, older dudes like an Obi Topin as well, who's got a couple more years under him, looks a little bit more NBA ready. Obviously, you have the, the kid from Israel who also is getting garnering a lot of attention. But it's tough to really say like uh, who and whether they're going to actually stay with the team they're going with. But, I mean, let's try our best here to make our best <laughs> predictions because ultimately yeah. it could end up being that, you know, a team like Minnesota here doesn't even end up keeping any of these guys and the needs that we're trying to fill here don't end up being the ones we were that, that we need to fill. So Minnesota here, uh, having that number one pick, they got Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell on their roster. This team is Francis has taken a full 360 from when they looked like they were a true contender in the Western conference when they had Robert Covington and Jimmy Butler on their squad and Andrew Wiggins and now it's like, are they even truly a ninth or ten, a ninth seed? Are they even truly a tier three team that can compete for a playoff spot? Is where they're uh, at. Yeah. So with this draft, uh, who who do you got? Who do you, who do you got them picking up, Sean? Okay. Well, I just want to preface this with my college basketball knowledge is very low. <laughs> <laughs> I think the NBA draft is probably the weakest part of our game on. If yeah. I, if I had to say it as far as podcasting goes, but I, I did do a good amount of research in, into some of these guys. And I did use ESPN's um, models a lot. Watch some YouTube videos. If Minnesota keeps this pick, which isn't a given, I do think that they're going to go with LaMelo ball. And, and a lot of models do have them picking LaMelo ball which is easily the most controversial pick mm-hmm. in the draft. I mean, not just ignore the fact that he's a ball brother, you know, <laughs> the youngest ball brother. You, you get all the drama that comes with that, the controversy that comes with that. He's hopped all over the draft board, man. I, I, I mean, he's gone at every position in the first round, I feel, um, ever since he came out of high school and started playing in the in overseas and then started playing in the Australian League. There's just so many question marks, but like what what people don't question though is that this is a very talented kid. Um, he's got a lot of good physical attributes. Is, is very similar physical attributes to a guy that we love on this podcast, Karis Levert. Um, very similar stature wise to him. Uh, he's got great speed, great playmaking ability, very high upside. I think he's got the highest upside potentially of any of the guys in this draft, which. Honestly, it's a very shallow draft if you're if you're trying to think of like who are, who of any of these guys is going to become the key piece of a franchise. You know, it, it's hard to say if any of these guys are going to become that. But I think Lamelo Ball does have really good potential to be that guy. Yeah, and I think always with the with the draft, that's what makes it tough. Is so many of these teams at the top feel pressure to draft based off upside. Uh, yeah. versus who quote unquote has the most upside and the thing with Lamella Ball is I mean he's he's six foot seven point guard he obviously has great visions great ball handling he's got a weird shooting mechanic similar to his brother yeah. but he can <laughs> knock him down but it's for me it's just tough to say because of the context of so many places he's been 
uh, the context of his game is is in ordinary un, or is in ordinary compared to others. Uh, so that makes it a little controversial. Obviously, there's the intangibles about him, whether like he's entitled or you know type of guy who can't commit or loyal. I don't know if any of that is true. It's impossible for us to really speculate, but it's out there. Um, so I think that makes it a little controversial in terms of like whether or not he truly is a number one pick and whether the hype is higher than what he is higher than than the real than what he's really worth. I don't know. To me, I'm I'd go with the safer pick, which is Anthony Edwards. Not that he's like, you know, guaranteed star either. I think he's a good player, a great scorer, and I think he kind of gives Minnesota what they need. And I I could see I could see Lamelo um, essentially coming into Minnesota and, and having a hard time fitting in with this franchise. Whereas I could see Anthony Edwards. Uh, his I think his fit just feels a little more natural as as that as that two guard and as that that score next to D'Angelo Russell uh, and and Carl Anthony Towns. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that. And Anthony Edwards has been on some boards at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was for a little while, and then just only recently lost that spot to Lamelo Ball and fell off a little bit. So I could see it. My, I don't know. I guess if Anthony Edwards, I just don't like. I, if you're Minnesota, does getting a guy that's just gonna fill in a role player spot for you, like enough? Is that enough for you? Because I don't know if Anthony Edwards is gonna be any more than a role player. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it tough when you have a three, uh, uh, like one of these top picks. It's yeah. like, do you do you pick for upside here? Because, especially especially if you're a team like Minnesota where you already have. Your quote unquote established franchise player. Do you do you draft right. in accordance yeah, to him? I, yeah, that's true. But I don't. I feel like because they went so safe last year with Jarrett Culver, mm-hmm. like Jarrett Culver was the most boring pick you could possibly pick. And yeah, he turned out to be like an okay role player for the team. I feel like Anthony Edwards would just be more of that same player that does nothing for your team really. I think LaMelo Ball can give you a certain dynamic that maybe it doesn't work out, but maybe it works out brilliantly and you get that third option that you can rely on every night. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I, we were talking about before we hit record is like it's very it's very possible that once this this draft just feels like once the first month or two of the NBA kicks off, we might find that the best player of this draft is going to obviously not be, is going to seem so evident. Whereas right now it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't feel strong at all. Kind of right. like the 2017 yeah. draft. Lonzo mm-hmm. had a lot of hype. Markel Fultz had a lot of hype. Jason Tatum was also a big name, but two months into the NBA or like three months into the NBA season, it became pretty clear that a guy like John Collins and Donovan Mitchell were actually the best players at least yeah. that first year get coming out of that draft yeah for sure kind of yeah, so i mean yeah i guess for the timberwolves i guess it's like i guess you're screwed because you didn't get the 12th pick in the draft <laughs> and then you you drafted donovan mitchell type potentially and i think that's why we hear these stories of minnesota willing to willing to uh give it up to move down and, yeah. and sort mm-hmm. of get something a little more safer in return for yeah. the number one pick and then and then draft more of a a role player, I guess, and not feel not have the pressure of choosing mm. one of these these upside kids. Um, yeah. But moving on to the Warriors, this one's also interesting. But I I kind of feel like this is pretty locked in from what I from what I see. Yeah. James Wiseman going yeah, at number so. two to the Warriors. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think I think a lot of people want to see this happen, especially Warriors fans, and I think this is the perfect fit for this team. I mean, they they have the guard positions locked down, obviously, and the only thing they're really missing is a big man. Mm-hmm. Enter the best big man in the draft, man, and, and this is a guy that was number one on the board very early on in the 2019 season. Lost some stock after being suspended from Memphis after three games, and it wasn't super dominant. He showed good flashes, but... Uh, we just haven't seen him play very much, and that, that dropped his stock a little bit, but only a little bit to number two, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that the Warriors, man, they, they're going to have a scary team with this guy at the anchor position. This is going to be a big pick for them. Yeah, especially if some of that Memphis, John Moran Memphis magic is sprinkled onto him when he steps on the mm-hmm. steps on the court. Uh, number well, he just has no pressure, right? Yeah. With Steph Curry, Clay Thompson there, like this dude's just going to clean up. And that's his role. That's his role to take. I mean, you got Kevin yeah. Looney there, Eric Paschil potentially, but I think ultimately the Warriors are probably going to expect him to really fill in, fill in that role. Um, mm-hmm. Just get boards yeah. all day. And get the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you got Hornets at number three. Uh, the kid out of USC. How do you? Oh, oh, Onyeka, Oyenka, Oyenka. Yeah, Onyeko Kongwu. I think I got it. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, you could have kept going with that, man. Come on, (laughs) you're you're almost there. The 16-8 guy. uh, I mean, I think the Hornets definitely need need anything they could get. And I think this potentially could be one of their best guys. I mean, unless... I think unless, like, LaMelo Ball does go number one, then I think you take Anthony Edwards at number three, potentially. Mm. But that's what I'm thinking. But, yeah, you uh, can make an argument for any of those guys, but the Hornets love centers, man. They They're going to take this guy for sure. <laughs> it's like, the, yeah, you could even put some other guys that I think could fit with the Hornets pretty well, like Obi Toppin, who mm-hmm. who's, we're talking about a little bit, and same with Okoro. But, yeah, they love centers. To put this man on the Hornets. <laughs> yeah, Cody Zeller on the last year of his contract, so this oh, would be yeah. his team. Uh, yeah, t- passing the torch of mediocre <laughs> NBA centers. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, then we got the Bulls at number four. This is a solid spot, I mean, to get somebody that could potentially mm-hmm. play behind the Fred Van Fleet's and Zach Levine's if they get Fred hey. Van Fleet. Probably not, <laughs> but, um, I mean, ESPN boards had Anthony Edwards here at number four. Uh, Sean, I think you also have uh, Anthony Edwards here. Um mm-hmm. I mean, the mellow ball could easily also fall to number four, potentially. Yeah, it could. It's yeah. kind of crazy. The Bulls probably have a bunch of different scenarios on their board, but I actually like this Obi Tobin kid going yeah. to the Bulls. 6'9", <laughs> can shoot the three. He's NBA ready, uh, 60% from the field in college. I, I think I, I like this. The more I think about it, the more I really like I think the Bulls would really benefit from potentially taking this kid sort of a Tobias Harris uh, John Collins potential potential in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's got the same physical attributes as those guys. Uh, th- he's a very talented dude. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Edwards is a guy that was number one on draft boards for a while. So if he's not already taken at this point, I think the Bulls have to take him. They like just based purely off talent and ability. And if they don't get Fred Van Fleet, this is you're gonna need someone to pair up with Zach Levine other than like Chris Dunn or Denzel Valentine. <laughs> so I mean, this this would be a good pairing for him. Uh, th- this is a guy that that was owning the NCAA for a while, mm-hmm. and that that's what was rising his draft stock. And 
Um, I don't know. I guess where a lot of NBA scouts took him down from number one is they said that they lacked confidence in his ability to reach his potential, which I don't really know how you measure that. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe it has to do with a motivation or a drive or whatever, maybe attitude. I, I don't know. But as far as skill goes, I mean, the guy has it. Would he be a needle mover for the Bulls? I don't know. But I, I feel like you got to take a shot on him if he's there. Yeah, and I think for number the context for the Bulls that they're in number four, I think regardless of who they go with, I think LaMelo, Anthony Edwards are my – pick that i think they should go with tobin i think they 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 walk away yeah pretty solid wins yeah exactly Mm -hmm. the Cavs number five this is where i think things really get Mm. very 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 (laughs) messy messy yeah (laughs) and i think if we ever did a a a redraft 10 years from now if we this could be one of the drafts we actually skip over or this could be one of the (laughs) one of the spots where we're like wow like the Cavs were right there or like the hawks were right there to pick Mm -hmm. the actual best guy out of this draft i mean right. i mean it could be true could be not but i'm that's what i'm saying that i just feel like this draft seems just so messy all of these oh, guys yeah. seem a little interchangeable but the Cavs, i think they could either go with this guy Ty- tyrese uh halliburton or also the kid from israel danny Advika Advihi. Uh, mm-hmm. I think essentially <laughs> the Cavs, I don't know, just stockpile guards. And uh, Danny Abiki <sighs> could also be a good pick, essentially, that he's just another good up, uh, just another body with upside, which is which his yeah. franchise needs. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that ESPN put Tyrese Halliburton on this Cavs team is just I feel like it's more of a mockery yeah. than anything because it's like they already got two point guards in the last two drafts. Why do you keep doing this to them, man? Now they're gonna think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Halliburton's a great player. Um, he's a guy that they, they claim doesn't really have any holes. He's just a really solid player. Um, his game's just really solid. I do think the Cavs should take more of a shot and go with a guy like Edvija. I think like, so too. I mean, you don't really know what he's going to bring you, but at least he has that upside and he doesn't have to play point guard. You know, like you, you can actually play him at like the three. He's got the size to play a great three ball. And I just, man, if they pick Hal Burton here, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> They're just going to tank all the potential of Sexton, Darius Garland and Hal Burton all at once. And it's just painful to see. Yeah. For no reason at all either. Um, so the Hawks next at number six, this, pick could very easily be traded in the next couple of days uh yeah. I, I i honestly don't really know who to go with here i mean the hawks um again it's a lot of hard names but if Adviki, if the Cavs end up going with tyrese halliburton then why not take take Advihi if you're the hawks here uh and take take this guy to be somebody to play a p play play behind you know deandre hunter be your alternative to DeAndre Hunter and, and Kevin Huter. Yeah, I, I think Halliburton would make... I mean, I think the Hawks would love to have Ed Viha. Like, I guess if you're thinking about point guard, like, they already have Trey Young. Yeah. So they probably don't need Halliburton, but they'll probably feel pressured to take him if he falls to them. So I, I think they'd want Ed Viha. And the Cavs might be stupid enough to let him take them. Uh, this guy, I mean, he's set to be the highest ever drafted prospect from Israel. As I, the last 
Israel prospect. I can't. I can't even remember. I, I. I didn't do enough of my research to know who the last guy was out of there. But I mean, going going up in the high lottery. I mean, that's got's got to be it. He's got to be the highest ever. Yeah. And I think this is the guy that I've probably done the most research on as far as his game goes. And by that much, I mean I watched a ten minute YouTube video <laughs> about him. And yeah, I mean what. The video is saying, I mean, I was kind of seeing it from the highlights, is that he's a good open shooter, has great driving ability, good playmaking ability, uh, pretty solid defense, but his shot, like Lamella Balls, is very poor. Um, the way he shoots, his form is just not very good at all. And I think he just has a little bit of kinks in his game that he's going to have to iron out. I mean, he's only 19, sure, but he's played professional basketball and it just seems like he has some things in his game where it just doesn't make sense. Like with his shot, especially when, when he takes a shot, he doesn't bring the ball down at all. Like he's holding it at like his head level the whole time. There's like very little movement in his shot. So it doesn't seem like he's got a lot of power underneath it. So if he's ever contested, it's probably not going to go in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just there's just a few things that that um, he definitely needs to work on. He's not a refined prospect like Luka Doncic, so let's not compare him to Luka Doncic. But he does have a lot of raw potential, and he's shown that he can play with professional players as a 19 year old. So I think he deserves a shot. Yeah, it's a fast moving game, and he's a six nine guy who can move quick, can make good decisions, and he's got some potential there. Uh, uh... I'm not really a huge, huge guy buying the Edvihi Vija type. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls further than this. But <laughs> yeah. maybe he will. I, I, I don't think he will because of Luka Don. Like because because teams will be tempted. Oh, he's from Europe, so Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Like teams will think that because they don't understand how things work. Yeah. So it's like the Dirk Nowitzki effect, right? Dirk Nowitzki gets drafted. He's amazing. Everyone tries to find the next Dirk. Yeah, and so they just draft a bunch of Euro players that don't work out, like Darko Milicic. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's the Europe goggles. Yeah, another guy that I could potentially see the 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 Hawks is uh, Isaac Okoro. I think that that seems mm, like yeah. a solid name to fit this Definitely. roster. Um, mm. sort of like a Marcus Smart type attitude type guy, very defensively, <laughs> very high effort. Uh, not the most offensive. A talented star, but for the Hawks, you already got yeah. Trey Young, you already got John Collins. Your offensive workload is, is already kind of set, so a core mm-hmm. could be somebody that could really yeah. sl- slip he in there and help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. Pick. I I like all these a lot of these prospects when we talk about their defensive ability because mm-hmm. it's such a lost art in the NBA. I feel like just being a good defender. I mean, like Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, great defenders. There's just not a lot of them. And so when you see a guy like Okoro, like where his best trait is defense, like that makes me really happy to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Pistons here, Pistons, another franchise that could literally probably take anything. Anybody. Anybody they can get. <laughs> really nothing about a fit other than like maybe you do. I don't even know. I would take a guy like if Obi Tobin is there for the Pistons, take him. He could be your Blake mm-hmm. Griffin replacement and try to see if you can get rid of Blake Griffin's um, contract. But, you know. Oh, man. Hal- They're so far into that. They're just going to ride it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, if, like, Halliburton falls this far down, like that might also oh, be a good dude, pick yeah. for the Definitely. Pistons. They are in need of a lead guard for sure. 
They paid all that money to Reggie Jackson. He just left them in the dust and never gave them <laughs> anything back. Um, so for me, the Pistons definitely need a lead guard here. But if you got a, a, a talented player still on the board, like a Halliburton or, to- or Obi Topin, then you take one of those two guys. Yeah. So with that in mind, then, are you thinking Killian Hayes would be a good fit? The French, the French guy? For the would Pist- be a good fit for the Pistons. Would they would they uh, reach a little bit for Killian? I don't know. I, it's like and this is if Halliburton's already off. The yeah, board, I mean obviously. if Halliburton and To and Obi Topin are also out, like that's what I'm thinking. Let's get a guard. <laughs> Let's get somebody mm-hmm. who can actually dribble yeah. the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think Topin would be a great player. I mean, you don't even have to get rid of Blake Griffin yeah. to, for Topin to succeed because he can play the three. I mean, he's not like that. Like he's a Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris size, mm-hmm. uh, which is great size for the NBA. Like perfect size, honestly. Yeah, like, exactly. I love the size of those guys. Um, great shooting, great driving ability. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about him going as high as number four. Yeah. So I, I think Topin could be a really good spot here. I would just like to see Topin on a team that I'd actually watch, and I don't think I'd watch very little. I don't <laughs> think I'd watch, watch any Pistons basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd watch the Bulls, though? I'd watch the Bulls, yeah. I like yeah, the you'd Bulls. Watch, yeah, you'd watch the Bulls, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. you, yeah, you, you have like three of them on your yeah, I will. I, 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 I definitely Topin would make it four. <laughs> I said, I said I, that was my big team. I was going to take a big risk because there was going to be one team that was going to come out of nowhere, and I thought it was going to be the Bulls. It wasn't the Bulls. Yeah, got you third place. Yeah, <laughs> it was more. It was more Miami Heat. I think the team that came out of nowhere last year. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Topin Tope would be good here. But yeah, I mean, Pistons are just going to take best available, huh? Yeah, exactly. Then we got the New York Knicks. Um, you got Killian Hayes oh, going actually here. <laughs> uh, I, 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 that's that's what I think could ha- probably will probably happen too. Dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like I really want to think that they would think this through and be like. We drafted Frank Nielakina a few years ago <laughs> for the same exact reasons we want to draft Killian Hayes. How did that work out? Not very well. Now let's try again. <laughs> like, that's their logic. Like, why, man? Just don't do the same mistake over and over again. Like, draft the guy that you actually need on your team. Uh, is Killian Hayes it? I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I think it's taking the same exact risk on like you did on Neil Aquino. And am I am I profiling a little bit because they're both French? Maybe. <laughs> but do you really think the Knicks are going to draft this guy for any other reason except for that fact? I don't think so. And I guess Killian Hayes, he looks like a decent player. Like, I watched a little bit of film on him. He's a great passer, great playmaker. One of my favorite parts about him is his defensive instincts. Um, he had some really good defensive highlights, which I love to see. He's played pro, so that's great. But I mean, so so did Neil Aquina. I just don't know if I. I don't know. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's that guy that we're gonna see at the the back end of the lottery. That's like, oh, why did people pass up on him? I, I just don't see it. I don't either. Honestly, I would love the Knicks to just take a wild card pick here and not go yeah. with what seems to be. The standard pick, uh, maybe give Okoro a try. Or, although, again, I'd love to see Okoro on an actual team. He can make an impact. <laughs> Just because I like, I like him. Yeah, and I'd rather watch him. Yeah, it won't be the Knicks. I mean, yeah, yeah. Who, who's the most boring guy in this in this draft? Let's put him on the Knicks so we don't have to care about watching him play. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, Killian Hay seems to be the 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 pick that maybe that that that's likely they make. 
Uh, but moving to the Wizards here, we got oh, ESPN really had Okoro go and fall into the Wizards here at number nine. Um, I guess unless he gets picked up earlier, like in the scenarios we talked about, the Hawks um, or maybe the Pistons, then I could see him being here at number nine with the with the Wizards. Just get another solid wing defender on this Wizards team that may or may not try to make a make a make a run for the eight seed or potentially get them back, get themselves back into a tier two team with the return of John Wall and Bradley Beal next year. Yeah. I mean, I think if John Wall is able to come back, just like even 80% of his former self, like that will be a huge win mm-hmm. for this Wizards team. Like they will be able to get an eight seed with an 80% John Wall. And now they got Rui Hachimura, their draft pick. Mm-hmm. Like he, he blossomed really well. I mean, Thomas Bryant's a great young center. You had Okoro in there at the three spot. I think it's a pretty solid team, honestly. Like that's just going to be a solid pick for you, and he, he's just going to play a role, and he's going to play it well. Yeah, exactly. And then to round it out, number ten, the Phoenix Suns. Um, this is to the point, the point of the draft where I'm like, I don't really. A lot of these guys just really feel like a dice Tyrese. Role. Yeah, yeah. So they have Tyrese Maxey at ten, which I mean, maybe, maybe so, maybe not. Uh, he's just, he's a tough guard. He could be a backup to Ricky Rubio or maybe Chris Paul if they end up getting him. Or maybe this pick goes to, to OKC and they pick someone completely different. I don't know, but um, I don't know. He could be a decent player. Uh, I, from what I've seen, he's got a nice finishing touch around the rim. Uh, he averaged 14 points, four rebounds last season. So that's pretty decent, but nothing nothing too crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Nothing stands out. So Tyrese Maxey could either be... Uh, well, last year was Hashimaru. Hashimaru Hashimaru was number nine, and uh, Cam Reddish was number ten, and Tyler Harrow was number thirteen. So mm. there could be a a strong role player. One oh, of these there's teams a could diamond in the rough somewhere in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know who, but we we have a few names that I think a lot of people following the college basketball scene, or at least at least the the before the pros scene. Um, these names will be very familiar, and I think they're names to watch for uh, when they get drafted to see how they do in their first season. They, they, I think they're guys that have a lot of potential, but they've fallen quite a bit on draft boards because they're very unpredictable. Um, the first one of these actually being a, probably the most interesting one is RJ Hampton, projected number 16 right now, so just a mid-first round to the, to the Blazers. This is the guy that forewent college eligibility to play pro in the AU League like LaMelo. And he was a top five prospect in his senior year in high school. That and he and he's fallen down the draft board a little bit due to injury. Uh, but he's a six five guard with good physical attributes, uh, very similar to Drew Holiday stature. Um, he's got a lot of talent, obviously, and he was a top five prospect before, and just didn't really get a chance to really do much in the AU league. But and this is a guy that could could really bounce back and make a difference. I mean, especially if he goes to a team like the Blazers. That I mean. We'll see what they. I mean, they've done well with young guys before. Like Gary Trent Jr. Uh, was a late round pick for them, and maybe they can develop a guy like R.J. Hampton too. Yeah, it could be a sort of these late bloomers, like a sort of what we're seeing Darius Baisley do for OKC, where he's slowly mm-hmm. starting to come into his own and could potentially see signs of a solid player there. Yeah, definitely. And the next one I have here is Cole Anthony, um, projected number twenty-two to the Nuggets right now. Another top five prospect early on, but that got injured and disappointed expectation expectations in his freshman season. 
And this is what a lot of people are labeling as a project player. And the Nuggets are the project <laughs> player team. I mean, you talk about getting Nikola Jokic in round two. You talk about, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. being the most controversial pick of the first round two years ago. They drafted Bull Bull last mm-hmm. year, and he actually got some a little bit of NBA action in when a lot of people maybe didn't even expect him to hit the NBA floor again. So guy like Cole Anthony... That's the perfect fit for this Nuggets team that loves to take home runs with these first-round picks. Yeah. I mean, if the Nuggets can do it, then they got themselves another piece to a potential championship team. So <laughs> I would love it if they could do something like oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah. They, they've been historically good at drafting. So, I mean, if, if we see them draft this guy at this – if he's still even there for them, I mm-hmm. mean, maybe he'll go earlier. But maybe he drops because people are afraid they they're not – going to be able to develop him and the nuggets have no fear of that and they have no reason to because their team's so good <laughs> exactly <laughs> and this guy this is actually a guy that i i've known about for a little bit because i always pick michigan state in my march madness brackets every year for honestly no really good reason i don't know that i just latched onto them as my as my march madness pick for some reason but uh, the best player on that team for the last few years has been cassius winston and this is a guy who was projected to be a lottery pick um, going into his senior year, but he didn't have a very good season. Uh, I think he, a lot of people re- saw him regress a little bit in his game. His junior year was actually a lot more impressive. So uh, he's fallen all the way down to the late first round to OKC. I don't know. I think that could be a decent pick for them if, if they are willing to pick him there. Uh, this guy with high upside that uh, has the potential but just hasn't really met that yet. Um, and if they're willing to be a project team, because it seems like they're ready to just transition, uh, they don't need a guy they need to win now. Um, he could be a guy that they just get on board for a few years and see, see what he's made of. Yeah. Right. I like picks like this. Um, I think guys who have been a couple years, done some good stuff and then just a matter of putting them in the perfect role and perfect spot. And I think OKC could, could maybe do something with that or maybe we see him bounce around the league for a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And the last guy I have here in this first round, that I guess projected in the first round, or maybe even top of the second round, and this is a guy our buddy Scott likes. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how he feels. Maybe we, hey, maybe we can get Scott on the podcast uh, next week after the draft and, <laughs> and see what he thinks about this guy. But Yudoka Azabuki, uh, the center from Kansas for four years, this guy is a big dude. Yeah. Like, this is a big man. He's got DeAndre Jordan-level physical stats. And he's almost seven foot. He's got a seven foot seven wingspan, which is just giant. But he's not. He's obviously not your modern big man, right? Like he doesn't shoot the three. He doesn't space the floor. But for a team like Boston that has the thirtieth pick, we always talk about how the center was really their weakest position. And like Daniel Tice is good, but not great. And Yudoka could be that true big man for them. Uh, so uh, it, it could be a, an intriguing fit. And, and the, the dude is clearly a talented big man, but is the league completely surpassed true big man at this point? Maybe. If so, then he's not going to be very good. But if not, if there's still a place for him, then I think he could be a really solid piece. Yeah, it'll be a cheap piece for a solid three to four years if he ends up on high upside for this Boston team. Uh, this is a Nigerian-born kid who totally playing the, the blindside uh, storyline here comes to America, gets an adopted mm. family, goes scholarship to play basketball. 
We'll see. We'll see if the fairy tale ends up in an M- NBA success. Because <laughs> if he goes to Boston, he's he's going to be right there on the front lines of a championship. Yeah. yeah, for real. That that's a big thing right there. I mean, he's always been a, on a winning program, and Kansas is one of the best basketball programs. So won't be any different for him here. Yeah. Well, those are the names here. Now the question is. Will these names get as much hype on this podcast as they are at this very moment? Mm. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Probably not most of them. Yeah, but probably. maybe a couple. Maybe a couple. Yeah, maybe a couple. <laughs> we'll see. We, this is this is now our fourth NBA draft breakdown. And I got to tell you right now, not all of these names do we end up remembering. So yeah. we'll see. All right. Well, let me, ask you, let me ask you this before, like last question of this draft segment. Who's the next Donovan Mitchell here? <laughs> It's so. Who are, putting, who are you putting your chips on? I'm not really putting your chips on. Try to pretend to know. I don't know if any of these guys could be Donovan Mitchell, but I honestly wouldn't be su- like I wouldn't be surprised if the first two years, a guy like I don't know why, but I feel like Obi Tobin ends up surprising. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> like in the first two years, we're like, oh wow, this guy's really killing it, and then I then mm-hmm. it's hard to say because some some people are late bloomers. Uh, again, if we take the Donovan Mitchell like Donovan Mitchell the first year looked like the best player then Jason Tatum made some strides and caught up to him and, and then bam you know almost looks like he's on the same level so it, it's, it just depends in that context too but I could see Obi Tobin making some some surprising moves in the first two years and and then maybe like LaMelo Ball comes into his own and becomes the clear best player of this draft I don't know it's hard to tell <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to go Obi Topin too. You know, there's something about him. It's not just you talking him up this whole time. Just, <laughs> he just he just seems ready. He's man. Six foot nine can like, shoot guys, the three. Yeah, like, six, yeah. <laughs> what else do you want? That's a great yeah. Guy. What do you want? Yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and you already know we broke these names down. But who knows which one of these names? are going to continue to come up on this podcast we'll see next year and years to come but thanks everybody for tuning in yes sir have a good week everybody